Minority Retort on X-Ray FM. X-Ray FM. Jason Lamb. Hey everybody, it's time for another edition of Minority Retort. My name is Jason Lamb. I'm the co-host and co-producer of Minority Retort, the comedy show, which features all black and brown comedians. It's also by myself, Julia Ramos, and a now rotating cast of black and brown comedic characters that you can normally see at the Siren Theater. And hopefully you'll be able to see sometime again real soon when the world returns somewhat to normal. But here on the show, we don't just talk to comedians and talk about comedy. We also talk to other talented, creative, and thoughtful black and brown people who are doing big things in the community and the world at large. But I'm actually going to break protocol a little bit because we have the opportunity to sit down and speak with two of the writers of the Emmy-nominated HBO series Watchmen, one of whom is white, Jeff Jensen, and the other of whom is black, Cord Jefferson. Jeff and I actually go back to high school together, and since then he's gone on to become the writer of the Eisner Award-winning graphic novel Green River Killer, as well as the screenwriter of the film Tomorrowland. And Cord Jefferson has worked on some of the most critically acclaimed television shows of the past 10 years. Shows such as Succession, Master of None, and The Good Place, in addition to Watchmen. And I wanted to speak with Cord and Jeff today to talk about their experiences developing Watchmen and get their thoughts about how the world has changed since the series originally aired so here now is part two of our conversation with two of the writers from the HBO series Watchmen, Jeff Jensen and Cord Jefferson. What's it been like for both of you since the series originally aired to see all the changes that have happened in the world where we've had the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor at the hands of the police and the shooting of Jacob Blake and the massive outcry of, and outrage and protesting that has happened globally, um, as well as the effects of the global pandemic, one of course which is now that everyone is wearing masks, basically everyone in the country, or should be wearing masks, um, similar to what some of the characters wear in Watchmen, and just a lot of things that have happened um, in the world, in the real world here, that somewhat mirror or are similar to events that take place in Watchmen. What's, what's it been like for you to, to see that in the news and look out your window uh, and see that happen every day? Uh, weird, uh, humbling, and sad. You know, um, uh, I don't... It, it's it's um, to, to be really clear, most of the parallels or corollaries feel just off of center and, and, and it kind of like it takes a crooked path to connection, you know, like, um, but to still nonetheless to see similarities between the weird fiction of our show and the hard reality of our, our life is... Uh, is is like yeah it, it, it's kind of like it's not what we were trying to do but it's weird that we're in this moment but i also think that any artistic endeavor that uh is going to try to sincerely 
and earnestly deal with the realities of race in our country. Um, and I, I, I'm not trying to toot our own, our, our own horn and say that we, we did that well, but that was our earnest, sincere ambition uh, in, in, in the crazy way that we, we do things on Watchmen, but to kind of like really confront like America as a white supremacist construct. I think that given the unfortunate state of our country, uh, anyone that tries to do that is going to probably end up sparking and, 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 and finding uh, intersections with, uh, with, with the world. That said, I mean, I know that we're a very weird specific thing. We're dealing with, with cops and masks and now we're seeing cops and masks. We're seeing um, people taking matters into their own hands and justice in their own hands wearing masks. And that's what our show is about as well. Um, I think that one of the most disconcerting things that happened in all of this was uh, seeing images out of Seattle, our, uh, you know, our hometown, and seeing police officers wearing yellow baklava masks pulled up over their faces. And that's what our cops in, in, in the show in, in, in Watchmen wear. And I'm like, well, why are they doing that? Like, what, like what, 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 why are the cops in Seattle doing that? Are they, did they see Watchmen? Did they understand what Watchmen was about? Are they trolling the themes of Watchmen? Like, I don't understand. Um, there have been other like parallels and, and things that have happened with the show in our world that I, I don't necessarily want to take credit for, but I'm happy to see. Um, I think that, you know, people have said, people have said to me recently that it feels like Watchmen is, is really prescient and, um, uh, or somehow predicted the future. But I think that uh, Watchmen, I don't think is, is, Prescient. I think that I think that history is prescient, right? I think that I think that we we wrote a show that um, is largely about race in America, and and unfortunately, um, when you write about racism, that is always going to feel relevant in in America because because uh, racism is still um, a huge part of of what this country is, and so I think that. Uh, I think that, you know, looking out the window and seeing um, clashes with police officers and 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 seeing um, issues of race being discussed, um, it doesn't feel like, you know, we didn't we didn't have a crystal ball in the room or anything. We just sort of we wrote about we wrote about what's been going on in this country for centuries, and and it just so happens that you know it continues to go on. So Jeff, you're the son of a retired police officer, a detective, in fact who was one of the lead investigators on the Green River Killer case, which of course was the basis of your Eisner award-winning graphic novel, Green River Killer. But recently we've heard a very loud, strong voice that's been building in the country that wants police held accountable for their actions that have deadly consequences in the black community and has a lot of people saying all cops are bastards and the police should be defunded. And I wanted to know what it's like for you as the son of a police officer to hear that sentiment that's become so prevalent in the country and what conversations 
if any, you've had with your father about how police are perceived by some now? Well, I, I hate my father now and we no longer speak. It's <laughs> not, not true. Uh, I love my father. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a great question. Um, obviously, I have a great deal of admiration for my dad. Um, and because of my admiration of my father as a police officer and the values that he stood for, he spent most of his career as a, as a police detective, and he spent most of his career working the Green River Killer case, and he wanted to stay on that case and um, persist on that case even when Seattle police authorities wanted, wanted to shut it down. Um, he, he, that's just him. He can't let puzzles go. Um, he can't let mysteries go. Um, he wanted to solve that. Um, but he also thought that there was something fundamentally wrong that, um, that you know, over 48 women, ma many of them, most of them, people of color from, you know, uh, 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 poor backgrounds, poverty, like, like, um, were, uh, that, that they were, they were killed and were, and, and, and they were just, their lives were destroyed. And we're just going to say that's okay and let it that go. Um, and he stood for saying, no, that that's not okay. Um, that can't go. He's not going to let that go. Um, I think that in, in many ways, in terms of just being a good public servant who is looking out for the welfare and good of all people in a society, I, I, I like and I love the example of my father, but I've always known that my father is not all police officers. And I question if he is most police officers. Um, and I also know that my, you know, like, but I would also say that growing up and unto recent years, um, I've let my affection for my father and my uh, admiration of my father probably uh, cloud uh, let it affect how I, how I view all police officers. You, you mean all police officers? Like, you know, like don't all police officers look out for the interests of all people like, like, like me. And is it all everyone just like me? Um, I think the experience. And so, yeah, going into, going into, I mean, I just want to be clear. I've always kind of been aware that people have different experiences of policing and different communities have different uh, experiences of policing. And very clearly, not just the example of, of, of policing in Seattle, but policing everywhere. I live in Los Angeles. I am very keenly aware of, 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 the, re of the racist realities of the LAPD and its relationship with the black community. Was I aware of that, that perhaps similar dynamics could exist in Seattle when we were growing up um, in Seattle affecting uh, friends like you uh, and, 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 and the African-American community? No, I was not, not self-aware of that, you know? Um, and so this process of Watchmen in particular was for me in working with a very diverse writer's room and people of color who had very different experiences with policing was a very intense confrontation with my own attitudes, assumptions, 
prejudices, biases about policing and how that works. Um, our, our, our diversity in our, in our writer's room included Crystal Henry, who is, um, uh, who, who is a person of color and a former police officer in Chicago. And her experiences were invaluable to this show. Um, but just listening to how people of, of, of color have experienced policing and that, and, 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 and kind of feeling in me of like, oh, that's, that's not my experience. And, but surely not all police officers, right? And what about my experience, Jason? Shouldn't that matter for anything? Um, and being told, uh, no, that very reaction, Jeff, of, of, of centering your reaction, of not listening to the experiences of others and, 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 and not having your imagination and empathy be so big as to that, that to, to recognize that other people have different experiences and, 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 and there are these very real realities of how uh, communities have been over-policed and policed uh, racistly. Is that a word? Um, it is now. Um, <laughs> It is, uh, I mean, it, it's just confronting and, in, and I, indicting in terms of my limits as a person, as a white person, and how much more I have to learn um, and how much more I want to help change, you know? Um, so I love my dad. My dad was a good police officer, and I think he represents what the kind of more police officers that we need. Um, uh, but like there are, but the concerns about policing are real. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm learning concepts like defund the police. Do I think that like, uh, all like, do I think that all policing should be dismantled and we should go police free? Um, I, I, I'm not there yet, but I definitely think that we need to rethink what, 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 what policing does, uh, what, what their purview should be and how they should do their job. And I think that, that the resources that we give to police need to be redirected to other areas of our society so that we can improve all of society so that maybe our police have to police less and police better. Um, I have not been to Seattle. I haven't had great conversations with my dad about this yet um, because COVID has, has prevented us from traveling and, 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 and engaging. But I, but I know that like, uh, you know, uh, I, I know that he's very, you know, engaged by everything that's going on and we have some good conversations ahead of us. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been quite a ride, you know, and, and, and it's been, it's been, I'm very grateful to have watchmen in my life and have gone through this journey so that I can talk about things like this with you in this way or with my father or anyone really about the realities of race and policing in our society. Um, I think if I had not gone through the watchman experience, um, I'd be having very different conversations right now and I'd be having poorer conversations. So Court, as I mentioned earlier, you've written on some critically acclaimed television shows uh, in your career, uh, Succession, Master of None, uh, in addition to Watchmen. But I have to ask you about The Good Place, which is just a remarkable television show and uh, 
one of my favorites over the past few years. And I wonder if you can tell us what it was like for you working on The Good Place. Um, it was just such a lovely experience. I think that uh, I was wildly intimidated when I first got there because I was such a huge fan of everybody in that, in that writer's room. Um, and I had loved uh, Parks and Rec and a bunch of the writers had come from Parks and Rec. And I, I just sort of, um, I was really, really excited to be working there, but also uh, stricken with anxiety. And everybody, you know, lives up to their reputation. They're all incredibly good at their jobs, but they're also wildly kind people who welcomed me in and uh, taught me a lot. And Mike Schur is a tremendous showrunner and, and, and leader and friend. And, and um, yeah, I think that the experience overall was just, it was, it was really beautiful. I, I really loved working on that show. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of it. So Cord, we're several months into the pandemic here, and I'm wondering if what's gone on in the world has had an effect on your writing at all. Has it made it more difficult for you to write, or has it made you think about writing and just life in general in a different way? Has it brought you any particular kind of inspiration that maybe wasn't there before? One of the things that I've really loved well, not loved during this downtime. One of the things that's getting me through all of this is, you know, a lot of great art that I had not seen before, a lot of great film and television that I had either not seen or um, and revisiting because because I'd forgotten how great it is. So, uh, I would say that that is a motivator for me because because uh, you know, hopefully one day I can I can create something that that helps people get through difficult times. I think that that's, that's uh, what everybody who makes stuff um, deep down hopes that they can do eventually is, is, is help somebody who's, who's, who's feels, who feels low or, or feels like they're in a difficult moment. So um, I think that that is, that is what I think is, is I look to, to try to keep me on track, but it's, but it has been hard. And last question for you both, and I realize it's not a very chill question to end the interview on, but I'm wondering what you see the long-term effects of the pandemic may be on the entertainment industry, and not just the pandemic, but, but the civil unrest and the protests and everything that's gone on. In what ways do you see Hollywood perhaps changing as a result of these events? And how do you as industry professionals prepare for that? This is a good question. I, I don't, um, you know, I think that things are going to slowly, the, the wheels are going to start slowly spinning again and, and things will get back on track. I, I would say that, um, so, you know, hopefully things get back into production soon because, you know, I'm excited to, to get back to work and I know a lot of other people are excited to get back to work and people need jobs and, and you know, besides that people, people want to see their favorite programs and movies and stuff. So I would say I have, I, 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 you know, like I said, I, I didn't have the crystal ball. I, I can't, I can't predict the future. I, I, I don't know that. Um, I don't know. Do, do, do you have an idea about how things are going to change? Yeah. I mean, I certainly love movies and I, I love the movie theater experience, but I just don't see myself going to a movie theater anytime soon. I just don't feel safe going to a movie and I don't feel safe taking my family to a movie. Yeah. I mean, but if anything, you know, uh, I, would, I would say that there are uh, 
in America, it seems like a lot of people do not agree with you. And, and <laughs> that Americans, there are many Americans who are out mingling without masks and, and happy to go to bars again and be indoors with a lot of people. So uh, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And I, I agree with you. I, I myself stay inside as much as possible these days and wear a mask everywhere I do. I would not go, any, go to a movie theater right now, but the way that it looks, it seems like millions of Americans would go to a movie theater right now. So, so I wouldn't count them out just yet. It's interesting that both of these things are happening right now. I mean, that we're having, we're having so many national crises all at once. Um, and, it's, and it's going to have a transformative impact on popular culture and our storytelling. Um, the conversations that we're having about race right now, policing right now. Um, the history of America right now, um, our political divide right now. Um, there's so much that is at play. There's so much that is challenging and energizing and inspiring artists right now. Everything that I'm writing, everything I'm brainstorming is completely impacted by what is happening in our society right now. And, but I have no idea when we'll be able to tell these stories <laughs> and when people will be able to see these stories. Um, our, 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 who, who knows when movies are going to come back in full nationally? Um, and, and, and who knows what the long-term uh, impact is on, on, on the movie business, the exhibition theatrical business uh, in, in, in general. I mean, that's, that's a kind of a scary thought, you know, like, Will theaters go out of business in mass before we're able to like go back to watching the movies? Um, but and then and then how can we even safely make anything right now when health of cast and crew and production and writers' rooms needs to be like you know our most important um, uh, priority right now? Um, I do know that when we are able to get things going again, when we get this engine going again, when like theaters are open, but really when production can really start cranking up, um, I'm kind of excited to see the stories that are gonna be flooding pop culture because I'm thinking about it and I know all my peers and everyone uh, who are, who, who are much more capable and better at telling stories to me and, 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 and who, are, who are chomping at the bit to tell stories. I just think we're just gonna see a flood of really interesting storytelling about this time. But I think we're also gonna see a, a flood of just more diverse voices, diverse visions, because I think Hollywood is paying attention to what is happening right now. And I think that they are actually motivated to take some things seriously. So when we can crank up the engine again, when we could safely make stories again, and I don't know when that's going to be, it's going to be a slow restart to all of this. And it's going to be a tortured, halting restart to all of this. But when, when things can start, when the, when, when the pipeline starts flowing a little bit more, I think what comes out of it is going to be really interesting. And it will, be fascinating to see the con cultural conversations it sparks and and the entertainments that our kids gonna are going to be raised on and 
the adult entertainments, and I don't mean that in the adult entertainment way, but you know what I mean, the, you know, the, 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 the TV stuff that we like adults like to talk about these days, uh, I, you know, just the subject matter that we're going to be wrestling with as a culture and society. I mean, the stuff that is happening, the, the inspiration that is happening now is going to be fueling the stories that we're going to be talking about maybe for the next decade. Um, so I'm scared for our industry because I want to see people working. Um, I want the people to have their entertainments. Um, and, uh, and so I don't know when that all gets back online and what the cost is going to be. Um, but I do think that once we start telling stories again, I think the stories, uh, are going to be interesting. They have to be interesting. I just don't know how we can watch safe, escapist cop shows again <laughs> um, the, the face and the nature and the stories of, of the cop show genre alone need to be radically transformed moving forward and that will be because of what is happening right now well i want to thank today's guests for joining me on the show two of the writers from the emmy nominated hbo series watchmen jeff jensen and cord jefferson if you want to find out more about jeff and cord and their work you can follow Jeff on Twitter at EW.Jensen. And Cord is on Twitter at Cord Jefferson. And we'll be back to wrap up the show in just a moment.